0: Hi, I'm Frank Tissier-Burns, and this is 360 North. Water is a right. There's really no two ways about it. And yet there are still hundreds of thousands of people in Canada that don't have access to safe water. And most of them are Indigenous. So rather than wait on government to come up with a long overdue fix, Marc Marseillet Nawigabo is stepping up. One bag of coffee at a time. A couple of months ago, Mark started Birchbark Coffee, and for every 40 bags sold, the company will buy and install a water purifier in a home within a community that's under a drinking water advisory. And unfortunately, he's got quite a few to choose from. There are still 71 long-term advisories on reserve, according to the federal government, and the feds are committed to end them all by 2021. For now, Mark is focusing on Curve Lake First Nation in the Peterborough area, and his plans are to go across the country. Mark, thank you for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So in the intro, I mentioned a little bit of what you're doing with Birchbark Coffee, but super simple question to get started.
1: Why coffee? It's funny, I get asked that question quite a lot, and there was really no reason behind it. I mean, I have a passion for coffee, and I love it. And um, I needed a platform to be able to work on dealing with the social issue of coffee, the water crisis. And um, so I put the two and two together and uh, I came up with the Birch Bark Coffee Company. So this podcast obviously focuses
0: on the north. This issue does affect communities in the north. Obviously, it's super widespread across the country. But I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how it affects northern communities, especially.
1: Some of the communities uh, in northern Ontario are pretty remote. Some of them don't have access to be able to come and go and they're limited on their, on their travel ways of getting into to and from town. And uh, some of the issues and concerns that are happening in the remote areas is uh, lack of clean water. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've seen in, in, in some of the news articles, uh, there's, there's much happening with uh, plastic water bottles being shipped into some communities and uh, it's, it's not acceptable and i think that uh when you look at some communities like a that's dealing with their water plant and uh the mass problems that they're having um in talking with some of the community members they're willing to take their chances drinking out of the lake rather than going to the actual water plant that was installed in their community Um, and, and i have to say that some of the communities don't have access to uh to water plants and they actually have well systems but the water is contaminated uh, there's a lot of microorganisms. A lot of the communities vary in different uh, issues. Uh, some of them are dealing with too much chemicals being treated in the water, chlorine and fluoride. Uh, some of the communities are dealing with E. coli. There's some like, let's say, Mat- Matawakian KZ is dealing, with, um, is dealing with uranium. And then you have places that are dealing with mercury as well. Mm. So it varies in different communities. But the, the common thread is is that nobody should be going in without the clean water. And, um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. I want to get into that a little bit yeah, more, of course, yes. but um, before we get to that, one, I'm wondering a little bit where this idea comes from. And at the same time, expand a little bit on your background. You're Ojibwe from um, Whitefish River First Nations. I'm a band
1: member of Whitefish River First okay. Nations and uh, located in Manitoulin Island. So I'll kind of turn that around a little bit. That's my community. I'm part of that. I'm Ojibwe. And that's located in Birch Island, Ontario. Hence the the title for, gotcha. for the First you... Nations Coffee Company, which is a birch Bark Coffee Company. So I'm a proud member there um how did how did I get started in this uh I I'm very much First Nations entrepreneur and I've worked in the justice field for you know close to 25 years and uh, working across Canada and um I've always had a passion for a positive change for our communities and um as I worked in the justice field I I, you know I follow the media quite a lot and you know I knew of the boiled water issues and the advisories and in in the mandate and uh but I didn't realize really the extent of how bad the water issues were until I really, really started researching it. And you know, the first thing that came to my mind, it was like, oh my God, this, this is really, really bad. Yeah. And um, I said, I have to do something about this. And I, I didn't really know at first how I was going to do it, or, or but I knew I had um, integrity, and I knew I had uh, perseverance to try and fix this problem. And um, I didn't really believe that the uh, 2021 mandate to be able to correct the multitude of problems of water across Canada was going to be met. So getting back to the the, the actual company itself, I you know I loved my love for coffee turned into Birch Coffee Company, and I said. One day, as I tell many people, is I was just lying around, and I was looking up at the ceiling and I came up with the slogan, coffee making a difference. And it was kind of funny. I was laughing when I was telling my wife and I I, I just said, okay, this is it. I, I know I have a purpose and I uh, have to uh, stay focused on this journey to fix my, to help fix my communities. And um, Can-Am Wellness, which is a um, water purification company who works very closely with Red Cross and helping with the flood victims and okay. so forth. And I knew that the individual, you know, he's been in the, in the water industry for over four years. I knew that. Which is were, also a local company. Yeah, right? in local. Yeah, yeah. yeah, local. And uh, I told him my story and I said, can you help me? And uh, he said, so, you know, the first thing out of his mouth was, uh, let's get this done. Hmm. So he created the um, four and six stage water, um, Bellcraft water purification systems and which really get rid of all of the uh, microorganisms and everything that I felt going forward, we were going to tackle. So anyway, I I turned around when I did the coffee. I just said, okay, how are we going to do this? And uh, I I came to the solution that for every 40 bags of coffee sold, it would be able to provide one water purification system for one family, one home. Mm -hmm. I really have to kind of thank my wife for saying for the platform for the coffee. She says, if you're going to do this... You're going to use, you know, you're going to stay sustainable. You're going to stay uh, fair traded and uh, certified organic. So that's what I did. I, I went with the best coffee beans I could. And uh, <laughs> the extension of that is I'm still supporting the farmers overseas mm-hmm. and internationally. And, uh, and I just added one more thing to it. And, and I started giving back in our own backyard, in our own community to address the third world conditions that our communities have been living in for uh, decades now.
0: As as a member of Whitefish River First Nation, have these water advisories ever affected you directly, in the sense of where there's ever been a ban either in
1: uh, in the community or that you know people who have gone through this? It's it's funny when when you say that. I think that what happens is is I think we as people become a little bit naive on the cleanliness of our water, mm. and not just in our Indigenous communities, but I think in, in across the world, the water is problematic and um, we mistreat it. And, um, you know, I grew up drinking when I was very young. I grew up drinking right out of the lake. And uh, I have friends that live in in some of the reserves and they some of the, some of the people have never known what it's like to actually have clean drinking mm. water. There's kids out there, and this is what I focus on, some of the families and children, where they grew up only knowing boiled water on the stove or a plastic water bottle they never actually held a clean glass of drinking water in their hand and that to me is not acceptable and uh going forward it means you know the coffee being an opportunity to make a difference and provide water purifiers i think that um people need to know i can't fix the water plants but i can definitely bring clean drinking water right to the home and that's my goal so now
0: how many units have you been able to to purchase so far
1: Okay, so if we put this into perspective, the company has only been in in existence for less well roughly two months okay The, the amount of movement now it's just expanding and ex- expanding, and I think we're probably up to close to twenty four twenty five water purification units, and each one um if you purchase them just at a store they're they're quite expensive mm-hmm. they're um they're around two hundred and ninety nine dollars but Can-Am wellness has stepped up to the plate and believed in me and he he's able to give them to me for a very low cost of $97, which allows me on a playing field to be able to purchase these. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, 40 bags um, to be able to purchase one one unit, which is unbelievable. Now I can actually see some vision at the end. Uh, <laughs> of I've got a lot of homes to hit. The first community that I've decided to go to was Curve Lake. Yeah. And there was really... Uh, really no rhyme or reason Okay. which community I was going to go to. Um, I picked Curve Lake because some of my friends reached out to me.
0: Okay. Okay. Now going forward, I think I've I've heard you say before, there's like between 500 and 700 homes that you're going to have to hit in Curve Lake alone.
1: Yeah. If I put things into perspective again, when you look at Curve Lake, when I reached out to Curve Lake and they have no water plant, they've been under the boiled water advisory. They've been Drinking out of plastic water bottles weekly, uh, delivered to them by the community, for and there's some people on on well systems that are contaminated. I looked at uh, asking, okay, so what's the numbers in the Peterborough area? What's the numbers in this particular community? And the response I got back was between five and seven hundred homes. So again, when you look at it from a water purification system, just for that community alone, I have to raise roughly seventy. Thousand mm-hmm, dollars to to get the units in each one of the homes, and uh, that's a lot of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know each each community varies on the numbers of people. Some people only some communities only have a hundred people. Some have you get up in the Castechuwan area, there's over two thousand, and then we're going right across Canada, province by province, and um, we'll tackle that as we go along. And I don't really have a set path from Curve Lake. I'll go from there. And if it's only 500 homes that we have to put units in, then the remaining 200 will go to the next community. uh, And we'll just keep moving along and document it and film it to show people, you know, the severity of the water before and after. And we'll show full documentation of of the readings of the issues in the communities.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, an interesting decision to kind of
1: almost hold yourself accountable at the same time, right? Yeah. So,
0: Was that your idea from the outset, or was this something that you've kind of developed
1: as you've seen the coffee company grow? um, I'm a real person with a real company dealing with real social issues. And the first one I'm dealing with is the water problem. In order for me to be real about it, whether I hit roadblocks or not, it's important to Canada, it's important to the community, it's important internationally to show people exactly what we're facing. I mean, some of my communities have been dealing, I, I mean, this goes decades long, Oh yeah. yeah, the third world conditions. And, you know, as a first nations person, sometimes I sit back and I'm a little bit embarrassed, um, being a first nations person. Cause I see this and this is, you know, if Canada is supposed to be one of the richest countries, why is it then some of our communities still remain in these social economic issues of, you know, poverty and, and lack of water. It's not acceptable. It's just, it's just not acceptable. So
0: the units that you've managed to acquire so far, have those actually been installed yet? Or I'm wondering what that process is like. So you yeah. get the necessary
1: okay. amount. Where do you go from there? We haven't really installed any units yet. Okay. So I've got meetings coming up with with other companies and there's been talk and, and support from some, some organizations, you know, possibly of wanting to supply all the units, uh, which is very, I'm very humbled by that and very... Uh, showing respect that these companies might want to just pay for all the units to help me put them in the, in the, in the communities. And, um, so I have a few meetings still yet to go through and, uh, I would like to go into Curve Lake with, uh, with actually 700 units and film it and install and install them in every one of the homes. Okay. Okay. And, um, but that's a process. I have to line up all because we're going to document it. I have to line up all the film crew. So it's a bit of a process and it's a learning curve for me too. Cause I'm not, I have never been used to doing this and, um, so there's a lot of T's, to cross, and I's, the dot, and and uh, respectfully, traditionally, I've reached out to the community, and I'll do this with every community, talking to chief and council, letting mm. them know that uh, I'm coming, and I will help the community out yeah, in whatever capacity I can for water purifiers.
0: Well, so we were chatting a little bit off mic before we started, and you said uh, it has been a learning curve, both in how fast that it's grown and at the same time you just not being a retail person so can you expand on that a little
1: bit yeah it's uh it's pretty surreal i uh i mean i've been in social services for quite a long time and uh you know helping our communities out across canada with uh, glad you training and glad you report writing and uh when i when i kind of i'll call it crossed over to the retail side it was a whole new ball game for me i didn't realize what it was about and um when i transferred over i, I thought this was going to go really slow mm. at the beginning i thought okay well Here's an idea I have, I'm going to work on it, but I didn't realize in, in two months that I would get this much movement. I didn't realize it's almost like a domino's effect where the first domino knocked over and then now it's a trickle effect where all of them are just moving along and it's where it was local at first. It's gone across Ontario, gained momentum. Now it's gone national and in some cases international. Mm. I've gotten, I've received calls. And I, the e-commerce platform that we're using is, is Shopify, and you know I thank them; they've given me an opportunity to really reach a lot of people, and really reach a lot of my communities. Um, on my first episode, actually,
0: I had Margaret Kinekwanashan, who is the CEO of App Power, which is this huge power project going across northern Ontario to connect communities to the provincial grid. Um, and one of the things that I didn't realize naively, really, was how important that that aspect also tied into getting these treatment plants or to help water issues as well. It's kind of this really all-encompassing problem. And every community is different, of course, but it's it's a really big, mm-hmm. big undertaking to fix these advisories. In line with that, a criticism I can see of the project is it's 40 bags of coffee, which is only one purifier. Why take this kind of small-scale idea as opposed to maybe put these efforts into fix more at the same time, I guess.
1: Yeah. As I explain to people, there's, there's a multitude of levels within the reasons why I, I've done what I've done. The first one that I'll explain is the purpose. And the purpose is to, to instantly bring clean drinking water mm-hmm. through a water purifier that was easy to do and quick. But the second part of the purpose was to actually bring smiles to my communities that some of the families and the children that have never had water. So, I didn't really think about the larger scale because I mean we're talking billions of dollars. Oh, yeah. And through the politics of this, we know that some of the water plants that have been built in the communities, the infrastructure wasn't properly built. Some of these water plants were just poorly put together, get in, get out. Our communities have suffered for many years on platforms of colonialism and it doesn't surprise me that some of these plants were, were, were built poorly. Some of them were built close to um, septic systems. The piping systems that are going to the homes uh, were not were poorly put in place and, uh, you know, have leaks in them. And so septic systems leak into the water system. And uh, it's no wonder why some of the communities, when they post pictures online, you see some of the children that have all these rashes on their skin, and it's horrific. And these are the reasons why. I mean, this... the, the the chemicals that they're putting in, the lack of training to run the water plants. It's get in, get out. And this is some of our community's mistrust, right? And we've always had broken promises. We've been uh, mistreated. Um, so I wanted... The other part to it is I wanted to prove and being a First Nations person and my integrity, which means I'm going to get something done at whatever capacity, whatever level, small or large. If this turns into something larger and I'm able to generate quite a lot of revenue then possibly my my goals will change where I can actually go in and and fix a social issue of the water plant mm-hmm. um because I'm a first nations entrepreneur and I and explain this one day where compare like imagine walking in the snow and you're leaving footprints in the snow behind you I've got the young generation I got generation and generation of young people following me as a first nations person I want them to believe in me and know that if they put their minds to something, that they can achieve it if they believe in it and get it done. And my word is my integrity and that's, I'm going in to help. I want to get into the numbers a little bit mm-hmm. um, in the sense
0: of, so I was doing some reading before we we sat down. And as of, I think it was July 4th, there were uh, 71 advisories almost like officially recognized by the federal government is almost the best way to put it, because they don't actually include advisories that are uh, like private plants that are can also be on reserve. So one, you had mentioned being, or I guess not believing that the government will be able to actually end the, the water advisories as they had said by
1: 2021. So maybe just get your thoughts on that first. To understand the water mandate, you have to understand that the information that's posted or that's out there that's told to people is that they're dealing north of 60 and it's only the long-term water advisories that are over one year.
0: Hey, just a quick interjection here. If you go to the federal government's website, it actually deals with water advisories south of 60, not north. But as we mentioned earlier, this really is an issue that affects communities across the country. Okay, back to my conversation
1: with Mark. But if you do your research, you begin to realize that There's hundreds and hundreds of communities that are less than one year Mm -hmm. that are in between, that are on boiled water advisories, that are on short-term water advisories. What happens to all of them? Where do they fit into the picture? Why long-term? It doesn't make any sense. When I, again, decided to do this, my thought process was on, I'm not excluding anybody. I'm covering it all. And uh, that's the way it should have been done. And the advisories that are out there now, like I mentioned earlier, you know, for everyone that they say that's being looked at, three more pop up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at BC alone, one out of all the provinces, they're probably one of the worst water issues right now with over 200 communities uh, suffering. My question is, is when they take... The water advisory is off. What does that mean? What does that mean? What have they corrected? Have they just pumped more chemicals into the water? And we know that in order to have clean water, you have to, For the, we've been so used to having chemicals in our water that um, if we didn't have chemicals in our water, we'd probably all be dead tomorrow from e. <laughs> e. coli and so forth. And there's no real easy solution to it.
0: I think one of the really interesting things you brought up is, you know, what happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, Hillary Beaumont, of uh, Vice News has done some work on this and uh, really found that oftentimes these communities are left in a really precarious position where the long-term infrastructure that is needed may be a quick fix and they're kind of left in limbo to see if it's actually going to hold up over time. Um, Question for you is how do your purifiers help in that long-term? Of course, like I was saying, it's not this, this... be-all end-all to the entire problem. Mm -hmm. But how
1: do you see these work uh, long-term? Well, you touched on a good point. It's uh, our communities are so used to just leave the communities to fend for themselves. And uh, that's not who I am. The units, when I did all my research and extensively looked at crossing all my T's and dotting all my I's, I looked at the purification systems. And uh, the ones I'm bringing into the community are biodegradable. They're washable. And uh, which are, there's very few units out there like this. And obviously it's going to vary from community to community. Whereas one community could have just chlorine. These units might last longer where if we're dealing with Kitigan ZB where they have uranium issues, where they can't get clean water, these, these water filtration cartridges might have to be changed quicker. Okay. Um, so the units themselves have a 50 year warranty. Okay. So, wow. which is amazing. And what I'm doing and i've made announcements already is that with the amount of money that's being used to purchase the water plastic water bottles so i'll give you an example in one community over a two year period the government federal government spent 2.14 million dollars on shipping in plastic water bottles that is nuts it's it's unreal so (laughs) think about this put this into perspective again Where do those plastic water bottles go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they've just created another issue in the community where now the community is dealing with an overflow of plastic in their landfill site. So did they really, was the problem really solved? Or was another problem created? So I looked at this and I, you want sustainability, I'm bringing in units that are washable and and biodegradable. Challenging the government or... Or having the government step up to the plate with me, and I, and I said this already, and I'll say it again, that collaboratively work with me, put that money in a water trust fund, allow my communities across Canada to access it at some point in time when they have to purchase a new cartridge, that's sustainability because the circle goes around and around. Now, the, 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 there's no more wastage of plastic water bottles, sorry, and that the cartridges can be repurchased through the money that they were actually, it, it saves the landfill.
0: Why, why do you think that is? Like, why the, the federal government, if they're willing to put millions of dollars into plastic water bottles, why do you think they just can't invest in more long-term solutions?
1: I don't know how else to put it. It's just, I, uh, I'm not sure I have the answer for that yeah. one. But it's it's uh, whomever makes these decisions to ship in plastic water bottle needs to do more research. This is our government. These are the people that we rely on to make proper decisions for us. And we all know the stories about the plastic water bottles. Now with social media, it's really been exposed, mm-hmm. and, you know, like tap water. And, you know, have we really come up with solutions yet? Who, who knows? But I, I just know it's the wrong thing to do. If we're talking about making changes and saving our earth and in, in really leaving proper earth for our next generations, we're not doing it by putting plastic into the communities and, you know, filling the landfills up. We should be looking at alternatives and what i'm doing is not reinventing the wheel nor is it rocket science and um i i welcome the government to sit down with me and enter into discussions on how they can go forward with some of those solutions that as a first nations person i can share with them
0: i've got like two different lines of questioning i kind of want to go down yeah. so <laughs> um to come back a little bit to the numbers you you've mentioned the chemicals quite a few times in the water in the research that i saw again this is based on federal government data websites the advisories for 2017 83 percent of them said were due to equipment or i think the term was like process issues and then there was four percent that was due to e coli and then another 13 that was due to other microbio issues so the purifiers will help address the chemical e coli and the microbio um What do you think needs to happen as well? And this is getting a little bit like outside of the company's purview, but what do you think has to happen as well to address that 83% when it comes to
1: equipment and process situation? People really need to understand. And I I mean, I'm I'm in the same position because I had to research and learn about this as well. Like what was going on behind the scenes and really understand, you know, what chemicals are put in our water, really understand what's a water plant, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of compare it to, I call it the octopus because all it is is synthetic tubing and that's that, that our water runs through with little tiny holes and it filters our water and some systems have a reversed osmosis. And, you know, the one common thread that I really picked up right across Canada, and I think when people hear this, they're going to agree with me, is that chlorine is added to the water to clean it. Mm-hmm. If we did not do that, we'd be, we, we wouldn't be in existence tomorrow. So on that part of it, I understand that the water has to be treated. However, people really need to understand what chlorine is about. It's benign. It's a chemical. It's not good for you. Uh, and there, there's still ongoing studies from scientists. So like many of us, even myself, you don't go onto these government websites and read 30 pages in to see exactly you know the studies and what's been going on. And But I did go down to the very last... One of the last paragraphs in Health Canada and in in layman's terms, it basically said, if you're not happy with your water in your community or in your city or wherever you are, we suggest that you put in a, or research, putting in a certified water purifier. Mm. How simple is that? I mean, I basically played Monopoly in Pasco and I just went to the water purifier and I, that's what I'm doing. So you've mentioned this a couple of times
0: earlier where you've been in uh, working within justice system, um, social work, all of these things seem to tie yes. in together. So I'm wondering how the company ties in pretty directly with indigenous and how both of them work together, if at all.
1: You're the second person asked me this question, and uh, it really ties into a lot of our uh, socioeconomic issues. Okay. And I think that with when you look at the justice system and you look at our communities and, and again, on the platform of colonialism with both both companies that i have i'm dealing with a lot of marginalized groups our groups are marginalized and we've been placed in a in an unfortunate position where we haven't really had the opportunity to really um heal and really move forward and i think that when you look at really peel back the layers and you look at some of the issues about poverty third world conditions uh lack of clean water but then you jump Onto the other side, when I'm dealing with the water issues, it's the same thing. It's the same social economic issues that we're – our communities, it's like we're spinning our wheels. We're stuck in this rut where we're not – we don't have access to be able to have that infrastructure to be able to move forward and heal ourselves. And uh, then that kind of has a ripple effect where it affects us in all different ways, our health, especially our health. Um, So I think it all really is intertwined in my head – I saw that as another piece to the justice system and the, and the, and the lack of, of understanding and really the system really not wanting to fix that and mm-hmm. kind of like just shoving it under the carpet type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it'll kind of mm-hmm. like go away.
0: I, uh, I hesitate to ask this question, but I will because I know it's a criticism that would come up. What is the responsibility of these communities to ensure that they have safe drinking water long term?
1: Well it, it's uh, it, and it's a good question it's uh, one of the things that's still being put out there is you know what's the percentage of, of communities that are on the public system mm-hmm. what, are, what, are, what are the percentages are you know the water plants that were just put in the community and they were you know to be self-sustained by the communities and but the problem one of the problem lies in the training mm-hmm. I mean you can't just jump into uni- university while being educated first of all and knowing the understanding of how to go in and or to be able to do something or t- take on a job or be a mechanic. Uh, without actually going to school to learn and educate yourself mm-hmm. to be able to to do the work. It's the same thing when you put water plants in the communities. And if you want the communities to uh, self-govern and, 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 and be able to, you know, self-sustain and look after the communities with the water, they have to be properly trained. And there's been a lot, there's been, again, broken promises to be able to train the communities properly. It's, uh, and that's not with all communities. I mean, there is people out there that really know what they're doing, but... If there's questioning about the communities looking after the plants, but they, people really need to realize that some of these plants that were put in initially were terribly built. Um,
0: You do private labeling,
1: is that right? Okay.
0: So one, what does that entail? And two, can you actually say where the coffee's roasted?
1: When I got in this, I really, I wasn't at a level yet as a, as a, as an entrepreneur to First Nations entrepreneur to be able to afford to buy a roaster. I mean, it's, that's a lot of money. So the next best thing that I uh, that I did was look at private labeling. And the private labeling allows me to be able to give a product that uh, is unique to Birch Birchburg. It's basically what I wanted. And there really was no rhyme or reason what roasters I use. It just so happened that this particular company came in front of me. And uh, some of the things I had to take into consideration was what was, the compa- what was the capacity of how much coffee could I move if this grew. And the local roaster here is Francesco's, but they're specific on on roasting to what birch bark wants. Okay, gotcha. And um, who knows what the future holds. My future goals, if I look at my five-year plan, is to keep giving back to the communities and uh, eventually um, look at birch bark cafes as a social enterprise within each community in Ontario and Canada, in the First Nations communities and Indigenous communities, and uh, allow... The opportunity for the next generations to really learn how to become uh, an entrepreneur from all aspects from, you know, could be from accounting, from running a store, whatever the, you know, sales, whatever the case may be. And uh, the proceeds from those cafes will go back into the community or the or the youth that are running it and uh, allow them the opportunity to be able to be successful. And uh, as an Indigenous uh, entrepreneur,
0: if people want to get some coffee,
1: where can they go? At first, I would say the e-commerce Shopify, uh, which is www.birchbarkcoffeecompany.com. And it can be distributed, well, internationally. But now with the retail growing and growing, there's uh, you can check the website out. There's, uh, we're posting all the time the retail stores that are taking it on uh, locally here in Ottawa. We're at Herb and Spice. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember them all. There, there's so many each week. There's more and more coming on. Uh, there's Seed to Sausage on Gladstone. It's just gone into uh, Toronto now. There's uh, Oresta, which is an organic boutique here in Ottawa. There's uh, locally, there's three stores. It's just, it's not staying on the shelf. Wow. So I'm posting to people, like, perhaps maybe phone the stories and put your order in ahead of time because it's just not, it's not lasting.
0: Um, Last thing, Uh, I usually throw in one quote per guest that I've seen of theirs in the past So for you, uh, I want to end on, it was, I want my story with Birchbark Coffee to end with a happy ending and put smiles on communities' faces. What does that look like? You mentioned the cafes. What does that look like from a water perspective as well?
1: I look forward to going into the first community, which is Curve Lake, and actually when it's all documented and filmed and actually watching the community actually holding clean glasses of drinking water and actually for the first time, maybe in some cases, just being able to to drink this water with no chemicals and and no issues. I think that's the ultimate goal for me.
0: Mm.
1: It just means that if I can put smiles on their faces, then all the people that follow me on my journey will have smiles on their faces because they've helped give back. And that's really the whole point of why I built this business to have coffee making a difference. I think that's it for me. Unless there's anything else you want to add? No, I'm good. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for taking
0: the time. That's it for this episode of 360 North. As always, I'd love to get your feedback, and you can do that by sending me an email and leaving a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Links to all of that are gonna be in the show notes. And if you feel like you can go that extra mile, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash T H R E E 60N. One of my goals for the show is to actually create a website with a lot of northern resources that we often reference on the show. And if you'd like to see that happen, then I'd love to have your contribution. Music for 360 North was written by Simon Leger, and sound is courtesy of JP and Pop-Up Podcasting. With that, I'll see you in a couple weeks.